Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geek2Me Radio. Today we begin part one of our two-part Voltron extravaganza. We'll be talking with voice casting genius, voice directing prodigy Andrea Romano, all about casting and directing the season one of Voltron. All that and more, stand by. driving around the greater St. Louis area right now, hearing this on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM. Thank you for finding us and tuning in. If you're hearing us out there in the world, streaming us online, thank you very much for finding us there. And of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, or Podomatic, we appreciate your subscribing and listening there each week. This segment is brought to you by our premier sponsor, Historic St. Charles, the website discoverstcharles.com that's discover st charles they are well into their i'm sorry christmas festival almost at halloween christmas festival their christmas traditions the longest running and largest christmas festival in the entire country they have living history characters such as bob cratchit ebenezer scrooge you'll be able to interact with international santas from around the world yulanese from scandinavia Père noel from france and all sorts of other interesting characters Unique shopping and dining experiences all up and down South Main Street as it is brightly bedecked for the holiday season with glowing lights, a smile on everyone's face. There's something for everyone to do. Bring the family out, have fun, go for a carriage ride up and down the cobblestone streets. It is truly picturesque. And if you've never come before, people are coming literally from all over. I just spoke with a woman last week who brought her family from Paris, France, just for this event. That's how big this is. If you've never experienced it, it is a fantastic time. You can learn more about the festival find out places to stay if you're coming from out of town all right there at their website discover stcharles.com for more information very proud to have them as our premier sponsor of geek to me radio we're going to jump right in we've got a jam-packed hour uh voltron is airing its final season on netflix They've been going now. This is their ninth season coming up. Uh, it's been fantastic. I've never enjoyed a reboot of a beloved series as much as I have this series. And we've got on the line with us right now one of the people responsible for this gem of a show. Uh, we've had her on the air before with us. Uh, voice casting, voice directing, Andrea Romano. Thanks very much for taking time out of your Sunday to join us again. It's my pleasure entirely. Thanks for having me. And uh, what a what a uh, incredible show! I know you retired recently, and for ha- to have this be your gift before you retire, what an amazing legacy of all shows you've left behind! But to go out on such a high note as this has got to feel great. 
It's fantastic. I, I, I loved working on this show. And uh, I, don't, I hate to contradict you. I did not cast this show. I only directed it. Uh, DreamWorks has a very strong, really good casting department. And I wish I could take credit for this marvelous cast they put together. But I didn't cast it. I only directed it. I, I wanted to be. No, I want the contradiction because if, if I say something wrong or stupid, I want to be called out immediately so I don't go through life <laughs> thinking that that's the case. That's great. Thank you. No, that's good. My pleasure. My pleasure. The, the the thing about this series was I certainly was aware of a series called Voltron that was made decades ago. I, I did not know it very well. I did not watch it when it was first airing its first incarnation. So when DreamWorks reached out to me and said, we'd like you to come in uh, to speak about directing this reboot, Voltron, I asked first, as I often do, who's producing it, who are the producers. And they mentioned Joaquin Dos Santos and Lauren Montgomery, two producers I've worked with many times over the years on Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra for at Nickelodeon, um, a lot of the DC properties at Warner Brothers. So I knew them. They were friends, and I enjoyed my working experience with them in the past. So they brought me in for this meeting, and I said to them, you're going to think I'm an idiot, but... I need you to actually pitch this show to me and tell me what this show is. Tell me what it, you, you know, you can tell me the difference between what it was in its original incarnation and the new one, or you can describe just the new one, but pitch it to me as if I've never heard anything about the series. And as they described what this show was, I thought, how did this show ever get made initially? It seems like such a bizarre concept. We're talking about <laughs> initially these characters who didn't know each other. They're thrown together. There are these five mechanical lions who formed together to form this big robot. As, it, as they went on and on, I just thought, this is a crazy premise. I knew, however that it had done very well in its initial incarnation and that people were excited about this new reboot. And so as they described it to me and told me what was going on, I got very enthusiastic about it because it's the kind of show I like in that it's an action show, but it's also got the quieter emotional moments and it's also got comedy. So it has a broader audience. It's got people who watch the initial series, the original. It's got people who can watch the new series with their kids. It's got brand new fans who knew nothing about it. But it was all about simply producing a good show in and of itself. It was not really my responsibility to do too much that had to do with the original series. I really just needed to make a good, interesting, entertaining um, vocal track for this series so that the animators could then make a beautifully animated series, which is exactly what they did. And I know you've worked with some of these people before. We actually, uh, this is, as I said earlier, part one of our two-part Voltron extravaganza because I'm so excited about the show. I grew up watching as a kid. And we had Kimberly Brooks. We've uh, got an interview. We'll play with her next week in more detail. But she did mention that the uh, that she'd worked with you before and you were one of the first people who hired her. So you had, a, I guess, a mix of people uh, who you'd work with in the past and then new faces that you'd never worked with with before. Exactly right. Jeremy Shada, who plays Lance on the series, was a young Robin for me in one of the Batman incarnations. I wish I could tell you I remembered exactly which one it is, but I had the great good fortune to work on many Batman shows. Yes. And 
movies, but he did one of the uh, Robins for me when he was a much younger actor. So I knew him very well. I knew how dependable he was. Um, Kimberly, of course, yes, I'd worked with many times and adore her. Josh Keaton, I also knew very well and loved working with him in the past and felt very confident with him as a main character of Shiro. Um, Chris Summer, of course, I'd worked with for years. And then a lot of the other characters were brand new to me. I'm sorry, a lot of the other actors were new. Bex Taylor Klaus, I had never met. I am crazy about her. She's a terrific actress. Tyler Labine, I did not know. Uh, Reese Darby, I certainly knew these guys work, but I didn't hadn't worked with them, hadn't directed them. Stephen Ewan, I had done a little bit of work with on The Legend of Korra, I believe he guested on a couple of times for Nickelodeon. Um, and then a lot of the guests, a lot of the other guests uh, who came in were brand new to me. And I, I just love that. I love that um, Netflix and DreamWorks took the chance on actors that had not had much animation experiences and and gave me the opportunity to kind of break them into this work. So they hadn't developed any bad habits yet. They were really just going from scratch, and <laughs> I was able to kind of mold them into uh, voice actors. And, and what I did right at the very beginning is um, they had already been in production for a handful of episodes before they reached out to me. And they had yet to do an ensemble record. And people who are familiar with my work and how I work know that I really like an ensemble record. What that does is it allows the actors to know what the actors around them sound like and will behave like and what it's likely they will sound like. Because as production goes on, it's very common that all the actors are not available at the same time to do the same session at the same, in the same space. So if they had never yet done that at all, they all were kind of acting in a vacuum. They were acting individually, and they had to do many more takes of every line because they didn't know what the actor before was going to sound like or the actor after was going to sound like, meaning, you know, in a scene, how the actor who had the line before theirs was going to sound and how the actor who followed up their line was going to sound. So that was the first thing I did was I arranged for an ensemble record, and I rehearsed the entire half-hour episode with the whole cast. So they had a chance to, to listen to each other, to play with some ideas. And there are some very playful characters in this very dramatic series. And so you wanted to get the fun and see how silly Reese Darby was going to be or how um, intense Shiro was going to be or certainly how Keith was going to be the character that Stephen Ewan played. And, and after that, it was very fun to be in that session because they all were like, oh, that's what it sounds like. That's what you sound like. Wow, I had no idea what, you know, Vex was going to sound like or what Paige was going to sound like or how fun Hunk really is. Because the, the dialogue was certainly humorous, but until you hear the actor perform it, you don't know how broad it is or how simple it is. And, uh, and so that was my uh, pleasure to do that at the beginning. And then as the actors went on, and as you said, they're in the ninth season of this series, they got really familiar with each other. They became a true family. They became a team that worked together on the series and a team that worked together in the series, meaning they were all on the bridge of, you know, the castle ship. At the same time, they had that, that thought process going on that made them a team. And uh, it was my joy to work on this series. I just loved it. It's so much fun to watch, too. And I've, I've, as we talk to the guests, you'll, you, those of you who are listening, you'll hear more about what Kimberly and Jeremy had to say uh, about their experience working on the show uh, in later, uh, probably tomorrow at this point. But uh, we're going to take our first break. Andrea, you're okay to hold with us? I'm good. 
We'll be right back talking more with legendary voice director Andrea Romano right after this, so stand by. I'm Bex Taylor-Klaus from Voltron. I play Pidge, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. The voice of Bex Taylor-Klaus, we just mentioned, played Pidge in the epic Voltron animated series done by DreamWorks, airing its final season on Netflix December 14th. Uh, we are talking now with voice director Andrea Romano, who's done so many fantastic projects. Uh, what were you most surprised about when you got into directing this cast? Because I know I'm sure every cast is different. This was different from directing the Justice League cast. It was different from directing the DuckTales people. What was what did you find uh, that struck you as most different or most exciting, maybe, about directing this particular Voltron cast? There was more. Uh, there were more uh, actors who didn't have experience doing this in this cast than maybe anything I'd ever done before. And that was really a challenge and really interesting. It, it, um, I always make a commitment to actors when I work with them that I will not let their voice or their performance go out sounding bad. I will spend time with them, however much time it takes, to make sure that their performance is something that they feel proud of and that services the project. And so... It, it was a, an interesting dynamic in working with these people who had yet to um, really experience recording sessions. And so there's very simple um, rookie mistakes that, voice, that baby voice actors make, and that is things like overlapping. So theatrical actors who are used to working on camera or on stage are very used to overlapping the previous actor's line of dialogue, just as the way we naturally speak. You and I may be having a conversation, and I may jump into something that you're saying to agree with you or disagree with you, and that would be a very common, normal way of of having a conversation. In animation, we have to keep the lines separate so that we can, um, so that the mouth flaps are correct. It's a very technical, specific thing. We can later, then after the track is recorded, overlap it and make it sound as if we naturally overlapped it. But that's the kind of error that uh, an actor who has not had much experience uh, in a recording studio will make. They also don't necessarily have microphone technique yet. And that's something that I can teach them quite quickly. I can't teach them in a four-hour recording session acting. I can't teach them acting, but I can teach them mic technique. I can teach them things like treat the microphone as if it were a human ear. You wouldn't get closer to a human ear and shout. You would step back away from it and shout. If you're going to whisper, you might get a little bit closer to it, and then you can whisper and the person would be able to hear you. So those kinds of tricks and things like how not to pop on microphone, which is that plosive sound that happens when you speak right into a microphone, um, getting a wind sound, which sometimes is just sort of a whistle almost that goes across the microphone. I can teach them how not to do that. So that was a bit of a challenge. What was really cool was all of these actors, were very agreeable to learning from those who did have experience. So you could watch Bex look at Jeremy to watch how he worked in a session so that she could learn how to do the session. And Bex might be the actress in this series who improved the most. She just 
completely got it. I loved working with her. I think she's a terrific actress. I knew her on-camera work before, and I knew that her voice was really interesting, and she was absolutely right for the role. But she had to learn how to do voice acting and how what, they, what a, an on-camera actor might rely on as a physical take must be translated into a vocal take. So it's no good if somebody does something with their eyes big and wide and they're very, you know, shocked or interested in their facial expression, but that has to transmit through the voice. And everybody in this cast who hadn't done that work before learned how to do it. Reese Darby, maybe the biggest challenge with, with Reese was getting him not to giggle because he just laughed so much. <laughs> He's such a wonderful, funny comedian, but also a really strong actor, but he would get the giggles. And so we'd have to just get him into a mood where we could, and not to break his uh, up mood, but just to get him to stop giggling so we could get through the takes. But, uh, you know, everybody in this cast was so helpful and willing to work with the newbies, um, as well as the newbies admiring those actors whose work they knew. They knew who, you know, Jeremy Shader was. They knew who Kimberly Brooks was. They all have, you know, Josh Keaton has terrific credits. And so it was just lovely to watch them all sort of come together as this family. And you mentioned uh, not having been terribly familiar with the project before DreamsWorks uh, got a hold of it and relaunched it. Uh, being here in St. Louis, my producer Max and I were talking about how in St. Louis it's huge because that was basically St. Louis anime back in the day. It was all done here. Uh, the KPLR studios had a lot to do with uh, the original series. And I know Kimberly and Jeremy, I think Bex also mentioned that Tyler was extremely familiar with Voltron. He grew up with it. He loved it. So how much did you go back and watch any of the previous one to kind of familiarize or do you just kind of take the uh like i said the, the talk you originally mentioned with dreamworks when they were talking about what it was about and kind of run with it from there i definitely did my research um dreamworks was very kind about um supplying me with a bunch of episodes to watch that they thought were key in understanding you know where we were jumping off from and um but i want to just go back one second and say that's so cool i had no idea about st louis being the 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 hub for this uh, original project that's incredibly cool and tyler i did love his enthusiasm and his knowledge and uh, and of course the producers were much more familiar with the project the original project than I. And um, and I love that when you can have a producer who's kind of an encyclopedic um, you know, a, a source where you can go to them and say, I, is this referencing something from the past that I should know about? Are we, is this kind of a, a some sort of Easter egg for, for fans who were, you know, acutely aware of the original. And, and that was very helpful to me because I didn't want to miss it. I didn't, I want to make sure that we pointed it up as much as we could without, you know, slamming it, you know, in somebody's right. ears, <laughs> that it was a, a, a reference and an homage to the original. Um, I did enough research so that I, I understood where we were coming from, but I didn't do so much that my opinion was formed by the original series. I wanted it to be new because they weren't intending to make to just continue on with what they had done before mm -hmm. they wanted to make this a new version of it and update it um, and I want to tell you a story but I want to make sure we have time do you have time for a, a good long story before your next break uh, let's go ahead and take a break early Max we're okay to take a break early okay yeah we'll take a quick break early we'll come back because that's a perfect stopping point we'll come back and hear another story from Andrea Romano who literally we could probably do one episode a month with you for a whole year and never get tired of talking to you it's amazing <laughs> thank you no problem We'll come right back, talking more with Andrea Romano right after this, so stand by. Dino Burns, hey!
This is Maria Canals Barrera. I voice Talk Girl on the Justice League, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And we're back live on air right now, talking with Andrea Romano. This segment brought to you by Marcus Theaters. Go to the website marcustheaters.com for all your movie needs. Uh, they are got locations in 11 different states. You can go to the website, find the Marcus Theater closest to you, check out their menus for all their concessions, the five-star lounge, the Bistroplex, so you know what you're going to order when you get there, save you a little time in the line. Uh, and especially right now during the holiday season, you can give the gift of movies. You can give away gift cards. And right now they have a special going through December 7th. With every purchase of a $25 Marcus Theater gift card, you get $5 snack cash back. So you can use it at one of those concession stands, at one of those restaurants in the Marcus Theaters. So you can dine while you watch a great movie. Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet now in theaters. The Crimes of Grindelwald, Creed 2, lots of uh, sequels out in theaters for the holiday season. Of course, if you're going to see Aquaman or Mary Poppins coming up this month, Marcus Theaters is the place to see those films. Do it in first class. See it at a Marcus Theater. Check out the website marcustheaters.com for the location nearest you. Talking with Andrea Romano, uh, voice director of Voltron, as her final project before she retired. Right before we went off air, she was going to tell us a story. I want to make sure we had time to get to it, so we took a break a little early. Andrea, please regale us. (laughs) Thank you. Before I forget, I want to say how lovely it was to hear Maria Canals Barrera doing a promo for you. Uh, She was my hot girl on Justice League, and it's lovely to hear those wonderful actors that I miss so very much. Um, I wanted to ask you first, so I uh, can make sense of this, who else you interviewed in the Voltron production? I know you mentioned uh, Jeremy Shada, I think you said, and Bex. Did you uh, interview the producers yet? Not yet. I've actually reached out on Twitter to Joaquin Dos Santos. I wanted to talk to him, uh, but I haven't heard back yet, unfortunately. Cool. I hope that happens, but then, then likely you've not heard this story before. That's why I was checking. Uh, when we were making the, if, if you all remember, uh, the first three episodes, it really is establishing what this story is about, how these characters all come to know each other, and certainly how Voltron is formed. And that was really crucial in building the drama because that's really what everybody wants to see is let's watch this actually succeed. Let's watch them all figure out how to manipulate these lions, which lion is meant to be theirs, how they make the psychic connection, and then how do they form Voltron for the first time. And we worked very hard at building that tension and building that excitement. And I thought the first three episodes were wonderful for putting that together and making that nice build. We had a problem. I I wish I could tell exactly who it was. I don't remember if it was the network or if it was the DreamWorks executives, but they wanted these first three episodes to, we still say air, but drop, we'll say, with the main title. Now, if you remember what the main title is, it shows Voltron in full form. You can see Voltron formed. Well, if we aired those first three episodes with that at the top of it, 
it ruins the entire build. It ruins all of the supply, all the suspense that we were building to show Voltron form for the first time. So when we first screened it as the first three-parter, the main title was on it. And we brought the cast in, and they watched it, and we all sat and watched the show together, and we were all very excited. And they did a beautiful screening for us on the DreamWorks campus in their gorgeous theater with their fantastic sound and beautiful screen. And and we all thought, this is a huge letdown as far as when we finally see Voltron form, because we've seen it already from the very, very beginning. And I think that, I'd like to think that all of us that were involved in the voice recording, who were some of the very few privileged people who got to see it before it was shown to the public, actually impacted DreamWorks' decision or Netflix' decision to show the the main title before uh, we showed it. And I think episode three is where we finally see it happen. Huh. And I remember so vividly talking with the cast when we... Um, we watched it. We tried to watch it without that main title, uh, without without acknowledging the main title, and we all burst into tears when Voltron formed for the first time. <laughs> it's just a fantastic, dramatic moment, and we all had this youthful exuberance, the goosebumps, the tears for seeing it succeed, for seeing these characters work together to make Voltron form, and that was just a really cool moment that I think very few people outside of production got to know that that happened. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and it was such a difference from the original series, too, because it was basically these pilots, all, all the lions are together, the pilots get in, and they immediately, hey, we know how to do this. Whereas right. they had that element with DreamWorks where it was a psychic connection, and they didn't have that. They were mechanical lions. This is almost like the lions themselves are living, breathing. And we even saw that last season where they left the lions on Jupiter and came into Earth to help uh, liberate Earth from uh, the Galra, and they had to reach out psychically across the Milky Way and bring the lions in. It was incredible. Wasn't it? I thought that was genius. And whether or not they thought of that at the very beginning, our producers, our writers, if they thought of at some point we're going to have the lions come to them by simply having the psychic connection, I don't know. But whatever it was, it was a stroke of genius. I love those moments when they're able to reach out to their lions, have a connection with their lions. And also there's that period of time, and I wish I could tell you exactly which season it is, where different pilots have to pilot different lions and they have to find the psychic connection to them because Shira was not available or Allura suddenly has to uh, pilot a lion and I thought that was so wonderful in finding that connection which you know I think is it's kind of a universal theme which is if we are all going to get along in this world, we have to find a connection with other people. And I think that that kind of played out a bit in this series. And I love that if we can teach a lesson to society as a whole, that we have to connect in order for things to succeed. That's a very valuable lesson. Very true. And, and so uh, it, it and sounds like you've kept up with the series. You, you've continued to watch it because that was going to be one of my questions, too, is, you know, are you is it uh, have you kept up with the entire time? Have you only watched select episodes? <laughs> I watch 
every episode. As soon as they drop, as soon as the episodes drop, I watch them start to finish. I just binge watch the whole thing. And I'll tell you, I couldn't be prouder of the work that was done. And this last drop that will happen in December on the 14th, I believe it is. Correct. Um, that's the only season I did not direct. I directed all the rest of the seasons. Um, I, I mentored a, a, a director, Serena Irwin, to finish up the season, the last season for me, because I knew I had to retire. And I don't know if you know much about the circumstances of my retirement and why I retired early. I developed a condition in my eye called optic neuropathy, and that is essentially a stroke to the optic nerve. The Mm. brain is not involved. I did not have a stroke. It's simply no blood flow through my left eye. And so within a three-day period, I lost vision oh my in my gosh. left eye. And that, that did not preclude me from working. I still could have continued to work. But there are statistics that too many people who get this in one eye within three to five years get it in the other eye. Mm. And so just in case, God forbid, I do go blind in my other eye, I wanted to go out and see the world. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to go see beautiful things and see beautiful countries. And I just came back from a month in Tuscany, which was positively stunning. And my husband and I went last year to Asia for a month. And we're just, we're spending time in museums and parks and beautiful places. And and it's entirely likely that I will, you know, die at 95 years old, still being able to see completely well out of my right eye, which would be a beautiful thing. But just in case, because much of my work is done in dark cold recording studios. (laughs) I didn't want to spend the next three years in that situation and then go blind and say, I could have gone out and seen the world. So I retired early. Knowing that, I had already been um, mentoring this actress, uh, and I say actress because Serena is an actress, I would say actress first. She's also a a stage director. She's a, a voiceover actress on SpongeBob SquarePants, and that's where I got to know her. It was one of the five and a half years that I directed SpongeBob, and she's terrific. She is Serena is to SpongeBob what Tress McNeil is to The Simpsons. She's a, a couple of the main characters, and then the utilitarian actress who comes in and plays tons of guest stars and incidentals, and she's wonderful. But because she's also a director, I thought this is a really good person to mentor to take over my job when I retire. Now, that had, was going to be in 2020. So we were seeing each other maybe once a week and, and working on various different things. And I would teach her how to do ADR and that kind of stuff, how to prep ADR as a director. And then when this thing happened to me in July last year, I, um, I said, uh, we're going to move this up a bit, (laughs) Serena. And so it became a crash course in directing. And she took over some of Puss in Boots for me and some of a show called uh, Nico and the Sword of Light for Titmouse and um, Amazon Prime, and then this show, um, Voltron. And I I was proud to have her do the work because she knew the show, she understood the show, she knew the actors, she had been coming to a lot of the recording sessions. So she was the perfect person to do this last season. And I'll tell you, I'm very excited to see, number one, how they wrap the series because I don't know to see how Serena did and how the actors reacted. I know they gave her respect and, and treated her well, but I wanted to see, it's kind of like a being a fly on the wall. I get to see how it was done with some insider information. So right. I'm very excited to see this last season. I, think, I don't know how the series ends. I don't know. 
I'm surprised no one has told you. I'm surprised Bex hasn't reached out or someone hasn't said, hey, guess what happens? <laughs> I didn't want them to. And if they had tried to, I would have asked them, please not. I, I want to experience it as an audience member, which is really exciting. I, I, I can tell you that uh, either December 14th or 15th, I'll be, you know, I'll ask people not to bug me for a couple hours while I binge <laughs> so the remainder of the series. But I, I have to say, the last season that dropped... I thought was fantastic, and I loved the way it, it wrapped up, and I thought that could be a, ser- a series-ending season, but I love that they went on. I love that it continues on, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they chose to do. And, if my and I know, Twitter... I'll tell you one bit of information that I did have was Lauren said that she wanted to end it in a way that they could, that no other producers could continue on with the series um, as if it was just a continuation, they would have to start again with a different, a different series, and so that's kind of exciting. That's, that's both exciting a and a little ominous too, from the sounds of it. Like, who knows what'll happen? I know, <laughs> I know. We'll have we're, to see. We're going to take our next break. We're going to come right back, talking more and visiting with Andrea Romano, talking all about Voltron. Right after this, stand by. This is Tress McNeil, and you're listening to Geek to Me, and James is the cute one. Andrea, I have to say, uh, you mentioned Tress McNeil, so that's why we played that return liner coming back, but I have had the privilege of interviewing so many people who have worked with you, and literally everyone gushes when I mentioned your name. And in fact, uh, I mentioned, as a, for those of you who are listening next week, We'll play our interviews with both Jeremy Shada, who did Lance on Voltron, and Kimberly Brooks, who did Allure on Voltron. But I did get to speak with each of them, uh, and we're going to really quickly, for Andrea's, just so she knows that literally everyone does gush, here's what uh, we're going to start with Kimberly, what she had to say. Do you have a uh, nice story you can share with us about working with Andrea? Um, I'm smiling from ear to ear because she's just a beautiful soul, an amazing, uh, talented, gifted, smart person and she's very um just a very giving director and she's a a gem like you just don't meet directors like that you don't and then you get spoiled when you work with her because you kind of expect that from everybody but it does happen she's amazing she's one of the first people that hired me um she hired me on static shots um and I've been very lucky to have um had the opportunity to work with her on several projects and her last project which is obviously Voltron. So, huh, I don't know. I get I get all emotional when I think about her because uh, we miss her so much. But also, I'm so happy for her because I'm I'm sure she's having just a beautiful life. She's doing a lot of traveling and just spending time with her awesome husband. And so, I'm sure she's doing a lot of uh, wonderful things. And we miss her. And then Jeremy, uh, we talked to him and mentioned uh, working with you, Andrea. And here's what Jeremy had to say. And to be working with such a legend, for, for especially as young and prodigious as you are, that's got to be such a fantastic feeling, having that connection with someone who's so established and so well-respected in the business as Andrea. Oh, 100%. Um, it was, I think our, our show is pretty much what she finished on, too, because uh, she retired uh, about basically towards the end of our show. Uh, and so it was really cool to get to work with her on a show like that. Um, kind of at the, the, the climax of everything that she's done. She is, like you said, she is such a legend. And so um, having a voice director like that on the show is just fantastic. It's so much fun. She knows what she's doing, and she does such a great job of um, 
of really letting the uh, the actors and the voice actors kind of do their thing and find the character uh, and then just get that little nudge of, of fine-tuning in, in such a uh, encouraging way and confident way. Um, and she's just like, she's like the sweetest, she's the sweetest little lady too. She's such a cutie. Uh, she always has a, always has a smile on her face, always happy to work. Uh, but then, you know, we were kind of, we goof off a lot, in, a lot in the booth, and so she always has to, you know, she kind of has to be like, all right, guys, we actually got to work. We, are, we actually are on the clock <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, crap, yeah, we're, we're working, aren't we? My bad. And it's it's been the same story with everyone I've spoken to you. They've all in different ways expressed uh, such admiration and just basically love for you having worked with you. That is so lovely. Thank you for playing those for me. That's terrific. I, I love them back. Um, we had a good time together. And I, I think part of what people react to is that I have such respect for actors. So <clears throat> it wasn't just about getting a performance from them. It was about giving them an environment where they felt comfortable to do their best work. And so uh, I think it was a mutual admiration society. And, and, and as I listened to what Jeremy was saying, it reminded me that this was a show that was unusual in that even the characters that were essentially serious characters had their moments when they could have comedy. So, yes, Lance had a lot of comedy. Pidge had some comedy. Hunk, certainly. But Alora, she had the little mice, and there would be those silly moments when everybody would be off on a mission, and she'd be there at the castle, and they'd do a, a makeover of her hair. <laughs> and it was just a silly, wonderful moment. Or, you know, certainly Reese's character of uh, Koran had some silly moments, but they all had a chance where there was something somewhat silly and, and light so that everything wasn't so dark and, you know, life, you know, threatening and life changing. And, and I, and I love that. And I think the actors liked having those chances. And I, I, I kind of enjoy finding those moments when I could uh, encourage that from them and say, you know, let's make this a lighter moment. Let's make this. And I also like the more emotional moments. One of my very favorite episodes, favorite episodes is, is the episode where um, Pidge is, is still looking for her brother. She hasn't found her brother yet, but she's really close, and she's on. it's really her episode. She's searching, searching, searching. And I watched the, the rough cut of it, which means that the um, effects haven't put in yet, been put in yet, the music hasn't been put in yet, we haven't done any ADR to it yet. And I spoke to Joaquin and Lauren about it, and I said... I think this is an episode where we need to take the audience along with Pidge. They have to be with her every step of the way. And to do that, I think we have to add a lot of ADR to it, a lot of hearing Pidge breathe, a lot of hearing her panic, a lot of her emotional feeling during this. So they gave me a lot of time with her. I think we worked maybe just with Pidge for about two hours of ADR, which is a lot. And so when she would, you know, come to a planet where she thinks, you know, she's getting a signal that that's where her brother is, and she's running, and she's panicked, and she thinks she's going to see him, and so I did a lot of panting ADR with her, so <sighs> really anticipatory, really exciting, exciting, and then when she reaches where she thinks he's going to be, it's a graveyard. Yeah. And so I wanted to get that that catch in her breath, that gasp when she sees what's going on, and then 
she runs to the grave and then her emotional breakdown and she weeps in that episode. And the two of us, she and I, during that recording session, were weeping. We were oh. crying together, which is part of, I don't want to say it's like my technique, but it's, it's, I allow the actors to cry because I am willing to cry with them. And so I think it lets them feel free enough to cry. And I remember getting this one particular moment from her and then just asking them to hold tape and stop recording. And I went into the studio and just held her. And the two of us just, two of us just cried cried together because it was so emotional and she really gave in to the scene and reached to the depths of her ability to you know, touch her emotional core. And I just didn't want her to be cold in a recording studio all by herself and think that she was going through that solo. She wasn't. I was there with her. And I love that episode. I think that episode is so remarkable. And um, and what's really cool is when she gets to that tombstone and the tombstone speaks, it, it's translated. What's the, the There's a sort of a um, hieroglyphics on that tombstone and she hits a translator and it speaks and, and divulges that it is her brother's tombstone. That's my voice that's actually me on that track speaking in english um that he's that that's him and so i'm in that episode which makes me really happy that we worked on that together that's, a, that's i see I, this is why i love having you on because i love hearing these behind the scenes stories <laughs> that nobody else knows it's fantastic we're going to take our very last break andrea if you don't mind i'm just going to keep you for a few more minutes when we come back you got it. All right. We'll be right back talking with Andre Romano for our first part of our Voltron extravaganza. Stand by. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. The legend of Voltron. Great hair. May the force be with you. This is Susan Eisenberg, voiceover actress, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. Wrapping up part one of our two-part Voltron show. We've been talking for the whole hour with Andrea Romano, and I wish I had a five-hour show, Andrea, because I feel like there's so much more we could discuss. I absolutely love having you on and hearing all these stories you tell and uh, getting to hear all the the, the people who've worked with you. It's, it's just been fantastic, and I'm so glad that you are enjoying retirement and said you're traveling, having a great time, and that I, I'm sure is going to make all of our listeners very happy to know that as well. Thank you so much, James. I, I enjoy these interviews so much, and please reach out to me again if you want to do another one. I will. And I, I had no idea of St. Louis's connection with animation. They're really, you know, plugged into animation. Is there a Comic-Con in St. Louis? Wizard World always comes through here. Uh, I think Wizard World is due, I think, the first weekend of April this year, I believe. But they usually have some uh, Lion Forge is one of the comic publishers that does the Voltron comics. And they're located right here in St. Louis as well, appropriately. So Lion Forge always has a presence. And we usually have uh, Phil Lamar came through here for Wizard World about three years back. But we usually have some really great guests with their show. I wish they would invite me because it would be my pleasure. I've never been there. I'd love to check out the city, and it would be just a joy to find out this whole new connected area that I had no idea that has this life in animation. Well, we always have a Toy Man toy show here uh, the first Sunday of every month, and I know Chris McQuillan, who runs it all, is always looking for guests. I'm sure, if nothing else, he would be delighted to have you. The fans who come to that show, it breaks records in their attendance. They usually have to have a line forming. Uh, would love to have you. And I will personally take you out to dinner at some of the greatest restaurants in St. Louis if you come <laughs> through i would love that thank you so much absolutely and thank you for your time today uh again voltron season final season drops on netflix on november 14th thank you so much to andrea romano for visiting with us next week we will have our interviews with jeremy shada who played lance and kimberly brooks who played allura so until next week my friends 
Planet Altea, good night. 